Come on. Mark, are you ready? I am ready. I like it. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Lifeblood Engage. This is George G. Our guest today is a strong and powerful Mark Rockwell. He is a coach helping business owners build healthy, thriving companies so they can love being an entrepreneur again. Mark, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, first of all, just on a personal note, uh, I live in Lake Oswego, Oregon. I uh, am the uh, husband of Cindy. I have two great sons, and we have two wonderful bulldogs, Annabelle and Sugar, who are big personalities. And then we have a kind of a grumpy little Shih Tzu who uh, slinks around the house and uh, tends to bite my fingers when I hand her treats. So she's not my favorite. But, uh, you know, when you talk about my work, uh, it's really interesting how I got into coaching. And I would say uh, it's caused me to think in terms of a phrase, embrace wisdom wherever you find it. Because one morning I was at breakfast with a young man that I had been mentoring, had a mentoring relationship with for over gosh, probably 10 years. And we'd been getting together for breakfast several times a year. And one day he came with a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. And he said, gosh, here's a really interesting book I think you'd like. So uh, we talked about it. I went back and bought it, thought it was a fantastic book. I knew he would ask me about it right away. So I didn't dare just put it on my tall stack of unread books, which, you know, we all have those. I can see behind you, you have many books. I assume, of course, they are fully read and underlined and annotated. Uh, yep. In my case, many of my books are unread because I have an appetite to buy books beyond my ability to read them. But anyway, I told him, uh, gosh, it was a great book. And he said, well, would you like to talk to the person who's helping us implement it? Anyway, long story short, uh, that was the entrepreneurial operating system, which we uh, introduced into the company that we had, I had at the time, which was about 600 employees. And we were caring for about 600 residents 24 seven. And I could see how it really made a profound difference in the way we ran our company. And so in 2019, when I decided to sell the majority of my company to my two younger partners, I thought, gosh, I have no interest in retiring. I will go on the road, so to speak, and help emerging businesses benefit from this uh, operating system, which I frankly wish someone had told me about 10 years earlier. So that's what I do now. I focus on working with uh, oftentimes um, young organizations, although they're not always young, they're oftentimes frankly, businesses that have been around for a number of years and are just sick and tired of being sick and tired and recognize there's got to be a better way. Nice. So I help implement a system that really gets them kind of organized. I love it. So Annabelle and Sugar are great dog names. What is the Shih Tzu's name? Daisy. Daisy. That's awesome. You guys... Grumpy. I call her Grumpy <laughs> Daisy. Y'all are good at naming dogs. That's well, awesome. don't get me off on dogs because okay. if if I I love dogs <laughs> and I could I, we could spend this whole half hour talking about dogs because they are really central to my life. So that might I be like a mistake. It. I like it. All right. So 
you found uh, the world of EOS and resonated with you. And how has how, how has the process of being on the road and going out and helping business owners uh, gone? How when when do you find that? Is there a certain stage that you find people in where you feel like you can have the greatest impact? Yes. Uh, it's, it's when they are stuck. Hmm. And uh, let me just tell you real quickly how I, my picture of how businesses start. Uh, this is, a, a court of, of course, a metaphor, but I normally, th- I think of uh, many businesses starting with two or three people who are high energy, pretty smart. They have a product, pretty good product. They start selling it, have some success, hire some employees. Then they hire some more employees, they get some more sales. And at some point, everything that used to be in their head that they remembered, every part number, every customer, every check is no longer adequate. And they realize things are really becoming a bit chaotic. And it isn't uncommon when they will get a call from a favorite customer who says, gee, George, you know, we love dealing with you and service has always been great, but I got to be kind, but direct and tell you. Those last two jobs have not gone the way the prior ones did. And the owners suddenly realize, wow, this, there's a problem here. We're, we're spinning plates, but we're not keeping up with it the way we used to. And I use the illustration of it's like two people who start a company, they go to a trade fair, they come back, they've got five or 10 business cards, they throw them in a box. And you can find the contact information pretty quickly when there's only five or 10 cards in the box. But five years later, there's 5,500 cards in the box and you walk in and say, hey, where's Ted's contact information? And 30 minutes later, I'm red faced because I can't find it. That's kind of the way that business has gone. They've just been throwing cards in the box, growing, throwing more cards in the box, but never actually setting up systems or processes to help things grow and move efficiently. And until you can maintain consistency, you really can't scale. And until you have some type of formalized communication system and processes, you can't achieve consistency. And I know that seems really kind of stuffy and awkward for a lot of business people who are entrepreneurs who wanted to break loose from the corporate stuffiness. But the reality is, uh, unless you're willing to actually put in place those kind of procedures and processes that will help you maintain high quality, you will be forever limited to a small and or unprofitable operation. That's a sort of an unfortunate reality right there, right? Is that without, without embracing some form of what you perceive to be stuffy or corporate or, or big company, you will be resigned to just being stuck here. Now, is it possible to to put something in place that is it that is similar but not sort of the the antithesis of what they want, which is to be oh, stuffy? Oh, absolutely, a- absolutely. And in fact, uh, that is the good news. You know, I personally, uh, along with every other entrepreneur, would resent a six hundred page operating manual. Nobody mm. reads it. Nobody <laughs> pays any attention to it. It's oppressive. It's a mental downer. So what we do is we 
work with a client, and this is just, of course, one aspect of what we do, but when we're, we're now in the realm of processes and procedures, which is only really actually a small part of what I do. But when you're in that realm, we encourage every business to think through each critical phase of their business. Think in terms of those processes that they want to standardize and then break it down into a very simple one page, page and a half bulletized uh, process. Don't make it into a 20 page document that no one's going to read. That's only confusing. People are smart. So give them the bullet points of what you're trying to accomplish so that that gives them the roadmap. So yeah, I think that if you keep it, keep it simple and keep the number down so that you're not trying to document every item as to how to install a roll of toilet paper, which of course is ridiculous. I'm being humorous. Um, you can, you can in fact accomplish consistency and it would be something as simple as how do we process an invoice or how do we onboard a new customer or how do we process payments? There are just those simple uh, standardized items in business that if you have 15 or 20 different people all doing it in a different way, your quality is going to be poor. The opportunity for ball drops is limitless and you're probably not going to make any money and you're going to have very unhappy customers. I'm sure that, that everybody who's listening can connect with that in some function. If it's thinking about the sales process, if you've got 15 salespeople and they're all saying different things and taking people through different processes, people can see how that's bad. Or if it's on the back end, fulfilling or keeping in touch just at every aspect, there's opportunities for you to screw up relationships or the opposite is let's put in a little bit of time and streamline this. It doesn't need to be a 500 page standard operating procedure. It just needs to be to your point, it could be one page or two pages, but succinct. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, George, at the risk of sounding like uh, this is all tedious paperwork, where I really start with a client is at the front end. And that is, do you as an organization have a vision for where you're going? Do you understand what your core values are? And Oftentimes, when I bring up the term initially core values, people go, oh, ooh, that sounds so stuffy. That sounds so esoteric and academic. And the first thing I want to do then is explain to them why that's important. Core values should not be confused with basic values, which are honesty and integrity and respect. Core values, which is frankly a term I don't care for a whole lot because it does sound very inanimate. I quickly add core values need to be a verb, not a noun. And a better definition in my mind is core values are core behaviors and core qualities. What are you looking for in the people that you want in your organization? Because it really all starts with people. Where are you going and who do you want to go there with? So every business I work with, we need to first of all figure out where are they going? And quite honestly, a lot of firms have never really stopped to think out beyond next week. So where are you going and who do you want to go there with? And so when you then come back and start talking about core qualities and core behaviors, that becomes a bit of an aha for most business people like, oh, I get it. And an example of that would be 
here in the Northwest, there's a large tire company called Les Schwab. And they are legendary when it comes to service. And when you drive into the parking lot before you can get out of the car, invariably a young person will come loping across the parking lot, meet you at your door and say, well, good morning. What can I do for you today? That is called hustle. And so you can bet that one of Les Schwab's core values is hustle. And if you don't interview for that, if you're not seeking that, trust me, the people you hire going forward will not have hustle. They'll be good people perhaps, but not for the right job or the right person for that job. So I use that illustration to, to express to every business I work with, if you have particular behaviors, particular personalities, particular traits that you want in every colleague, you need to limit that to three, not more than four qualities and say, these are our core values slash core behaviors, core qualities. And that the light comes on then because people begin to realize, oh, I see what you mean. If we want to have a group, as an example, of really hustling employees, then hustle needs to be a defined term that we interview and hire for. Because when you have elevated those core values, those will attract people you want and they will repel people that you don't want. If I tell you I'm looking for hustle and you say, uh, that's not the kind of job I'm looking for, you probably will self-select out. So that's really where I start, George, with every business is really talking about who do you want to be, where do you want to go, and what kind of people do you want to work with? I love it. I think that that's such a, such a helpful framework um, because it does sort of just get us out of that doing vibe of, okay, we, we, we do need to take a little bit of time and actually establish that. And then using the example of Les Schwab and the hustle, uh, what, what also sort of came to my mind was whenever you go to Dutch Brothers Coffee, which I don't know if they have that um, in the Northwest or not. but They you came just... from here, George. Oh, well, they, they are the Northwest. <laughs> don't you be owning it. Uh, no. <laughs> my, my sincerest apologies for, to, to, to everybody in the Northwest, to Dutch Brothers, but you just know if, if, if you're certainly out of Dutch Brothers. And so I imagine that if we were to dive into what their core values or whatever terms that they use to describe it, um, I think that, that that's also very helpful. And that uh, it, just to your point, doesn't happen on accident. So no, if not you, at all, if, if, if you're interested in getting there and then quite the opposite, if you were not minding the store, if you're not making sure that you're screening collect correctly and allowing people to, to, to self-select out, then you're going to get people and you're, you're going to keep hitting the wall. You can keep hitting that ceiling. Totally. So when you, so the process you were asking me earlier, how does this work? It, it really is a gradual process. I use the illustration for every client understand this is like your gym membership. You're not going to go to the gym and one and done. You have to work at this one day, one week, one month at a time. And over six months to a year, organizations get much better. And it's fascinating that we start with a organizational assessment and I'm embarrassed to say, well, back up. It's a, it's a questionnaire of about it's 20 questions 
And each question has five points. And so everybody takes it and self-evaluates. Now, I'm embarrassed to say that when I took the test several years ago, my score on a, out of a scale or a score of a total of 100 was about 25. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awful. <laughs> and it's because, you know, a number of things that were just basic in business, um, like, do you have a structured meaning, same time, same place, same agenda every week? If you answer no to that, obviously you get, you get no points on that question. And many firms don't do a lot of the basics in business. That's why they're struggling. So when most organizations take the test, much like myself, they'll get a score of 25 or 30, which is pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. That's the bad news. The good news is by taking that test, if you will, it shows you the things that you aren't doing that you could be doing. And within a couple of years, you can get a score of 80 or 85. Mm-hmm. So the bad news is, much like myself, I was sitting at a 25 in our organization, but over a couple, three years, you can improve that score dramatically. So back to how this works. It generally is a process of working with an organization for two to three years. And I, I use the metaphor of it's like stepping out of the shower. And as you're brushing your teeth and combing your hair, you suddenly see the fog on the mirror begin to leave and you go, oh, I can actually see my face now. I had an all day session uh, this last Friday with a, a client. And this is the part is probably the most gratifying in the whole relationship. When at a break time and you're having a cup of coffee and you're relaxing and someone will say, wow, we have come so far this last year. And then another person in the group will go, yeah, you know, it's just a whole lot clearer. And those kinds of just anecdotal comments tell you that even though sometimes the process looks a little sloppy, it's a little bit like making sausage, not every session, not every meeting is dynamically uh, rewarding. I mean, you don't walk out of every meeting going, yes, we're killing it. But over a year, year and a half, you realize that there is this increased tempo. There is this increased uh, clarity. And the kind of term that you'll hear or the kind of words that you'll hear from business owners are oftentimes, you know, we just have a lot less chaos Hmm. or people just seem more accountable. And that, of course, is music to my ears. No doubt about it. I imagine it's... uh... I'd like to think that that as an organization, an entrepreneur, CEO could implement something like this on their own, but I just I, I, I just really doubt it. I think that it is essential not to to do a commercial for for you, but I just I just can't imagine uh, an organization internally going from having nothing to actually implementing successfully a process like this. Well, I will tell you, in theory, it's possible. True. Um, in, in practice, it's really tough. And, and I say that uh, in all honesty, uh, because I don't think I would have been good enough to do it in my own company. Mm-hmm. I, I, and it's not because I would have been any less sincere. It's just that it's extremely difficult to play the role of being part of the team and serving in the capacity of being the facilitator at the same time, because you're really trying to play two roles 
And it means that if you stand up, well, it's, it's, let me rephrase that. If I'm the facilitator and I push the group a little bit, and oftentimes I do, I have to challenge them. Now, is that really what you want to do? Is that, are you comfortable with that? And people understand I'm just there to facilitate. I don't have a dog in the fight. Right. I mean, it, but if I was the boss and I'm making that statement, I'm not, and I'm now perceived as being the boss. Oh, so this is the direction he wants us to go. I get it. So that is, it's the psychology of it. It's not that a person isn't necessarily capable of doing it. It's the psychology and, of, of not being able to serve two roles and have people know, well, what, what's your view of this or what is your investment in this? I also think as a practical matter in most companies, if they are feeling overwhelmed, everyone is probably, and feel the need to do this kind of uh, training they probably are already working a 60 hour week. Right. So for someone to then take it on, who's already on staff and say to them, Hey, why don't you take responsibility for implementing this? If it's someone other than the owner, they're probably going to look at him and think I'm already working way more hours than I should be. This is just one more thing. That's going to sink my ship. Yeah. Well said. Well, Mark, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, you know, if there's one tip I would give people, it is F-O-C-U-S, focus. If there's any struggle that we as business people have, it is that we tend to be shiny objects. We are attracted to shiny objects. And so we tend to not focus. So that's easier said than done, but as a premise, we need to all be very focused. If there's one tip I would use or leave every business person with that can make a profound difference on their business starting tomorrow is have a 10 minute stand-up meeting with your leadership team. Call everybody together at an odd time like 7.08 or 8.52 or sometime, not 8 o'clock, not 7.30, not some easily forgettable time, but pick a time like 7.47. And uh, obviously the, the play there might be an airplane and you could say morning takeoff. And so it's a 10 minute meeting. You have the leadership team stand Nobody sits down and there's only three things that you're going to talk about. What you did yesterday, what you're doing today, and what you're doing tomorrow. And what that does is a couple, three things. Number one, everybody on the leadership team now is up to date on what is going on. Number two, it means, among other things, for instance, let's say at three o'clock this afternoon, I thought, gosh, I really need to get a hold of George. Well, rather than interrupt you, I'll say, oh, I'll, I'll be seeing George tomorrow morning at 747. So it, it eliminates that need for a lot of frantic back and forth or you forget about it. I see you tomorrow morning. I remember specifically what it is I wanted to ask you. So that would be my one tip. Start having daily stand-up meetings at the beginning of the day, 10 minutes, no one sits down, four or five people on the leadership team, very simple format. I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Well, first of all, you can go to my website, coachrockwell.com. 
C-O-A-C-H-R-O-C-K-W-E-L-L.com. Or feel free to send me an email at mark at coachrockwell.com. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Mark your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to coachrockwell.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-R-O-C-K-W-E-L-L.com. Shoot him an email at mark at coachrockwell.com. Thanks again, Mark. And thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.